Welcome to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. We give you the advice you need to know to make investing safe and profitable. With The Bull and the Bear podcast, you'll get exclusive access to some of the top thinkers, analysts, advisors, and gurus in the investment business. And now for your hosts, Matt Clark and Charles Sizemore. Hello, everyone. Matt Clark, research analyst with Money and Markets here with your weekend edition of The Bull and the Bear. And as is customary each weekend, I bring on Green Zone Fortune's co-editor, Charles Sizemore, as well as Green Zone Fortune's founder and our chief investment strategist, Adam O'Dell. We're going to give you our three credible buys uh, today and, and let you know kind of what's on our mind in terms of what stocks we're looking at and why each one of these three we feel are solid for your portfolio. And I'm going to just jump right in. Uh, obviously remind you to visit moneyandmarkets.com uh, each and every day. Uh, we do provide you safe, sound, smart, simple, profitable investment information for your portfolio. Charles, Adam, myself, our entire team, we work very, very hard every day, including Saturday and Sunday, to make sure you have that information at your fingertips. You can sign up for our free daily e-letter as well. Uh, you'll, get that, uh, you'll get all that uh, information in a concise, uh, good-looking email sent to your email box for free each and every morning, including Saturday and Sunday. We don't take time off. We don't sleep. We don't, we, we, it's, it's like working with a bunch of superhuman people who don't need food, don't need drink and don't need rest uh, because we are working just that hard. I, I kid, we do allow Charles to take a break every now and again. Now I'm going to jump right into it. Uh, and, and I'm going to reach out first to chief investment strategist, Adam O'Dell. First off, welcome uh, to the podcast as, uh, as you are on each and every week. And uh, you know, what, what stock are, are you looking at this week? And why is it something you, why is it a play that you feel like is uh, important for investors to, to know about? Sure. Well, this week uh, we're kind of in the, uh, the housing industry. Um, just to set a backdrop, I mean, one thing that investors, a mistake that a lot of investors make, especially ones that have invested through uh, down markets or through multiple down markets is to try to fight the last battle or to fight the last war. And uh, so basically in the 07, 08 uh, top and crash, that was a property market driven bubble uh, you had aggressive lending to people that uh, didn't deserve the loans, that didn't qualify for them, frankly, and, and people over leveraged and bought multiple houses to flip and got caught kind of holding the bag. So, um, and then we had all the CDOs and the, and the mortgage-backed securities and whatnot. So that was basically a property market-driven crash. And so investors that are investing now have that, that bad taste in their mouth and assume that you know, we're kind of, we've been in a long bull market and maybe we're due for a correction. Maybe uh, we're due for something of a pullback, uh, maybe not. But a lot of people are figuring that it would come from the property market if that's the case. And, uh, and that's not always the way it's going to happen. I mean, each, each uh, you know, down market, each bear market is different. So yeah, I think there's still a lot of pessimism in the housing market. But this week I found a stock that I think will uh, do well regardless because it does well with basically new construction and with home renovations. Just to give you an idea of uh, the, the situation in housing right now, there's a huge shortage. So basically, between 2000 and 20, 2010, uh, in, in that part of in that decade, there were twice as many home built homes built as there were from 2010 uh, through the current day. So you have a uh, housing uh, supply shortage uh, this year. It's basically the the tightest shortage that there's ever been. It's basically less than three months of supply on the market. And uh, they've estimated that there's a shortage of 2.5 million homes. Uh, so that shortage is really, uh, you know, really giving sellers the advantage and buyers are having to bid up 
prices, uh, but it shows that basically the millennials are now entering the market. So there was this joke for a while, especially in the wake of the 08 crash again, that all millennials, millennials were just gonna live in their basement uh, forever. They were never gonna get married, never gonna have kids. They were not gonna go through the typical life cycle uh, demographically that we saw the baby boomers go through. And while it's true that they've gone through it a little bit later, um, they certainly are now entering the house buying market. So about 40%, almost 40% of home buyers today are millennials. So they are entering the market and they're looking for starter homes and, and whatnot. So uh, the housing market is strong, we think. Um, whether it's new construction, there's estimated to be uh, 1 million, between 1 and 1.1 million housing starts in 2021, as well as next year. It'll creep up a little bit more than that. Um, so whether it's housing starts of new construction or whether it's folks who have decided, you know what, I'm not going to trade up for my starter home to a, to a larger home. I'm going to instead renovate uh, my current home. I think that this uh, stock that I'm going to recommend today is going to benefit from that. And that stock is um, Lumber Liquidators, or they've kind of rebranded themselves as LL Flooring. And the ticker symbol for that is uh, none other than LL. You may remember Lumber Liquidators. They went through a pretty bad scandal in 2015. And just a couple of years ago, they agreed to pay, I think it was $33 million as a settlement. Basically, they were selling uh, Chinese-made flooring that they had some awareness of uh, as, as far as not passing formaldehyde uh, standards, but they kind of didn't uh, cop to that and they so, kind of sold it anyway. So um, it was kind of a, a bad actor situation, but certainly investors um, punished the stock for it. The stock was down 80%. Um, I think it, in 2015, um, there was a 60 minutes special uh, basically about the scandal. And, and after that, the stock just, just plummeted. Uh, but the stock has been just dr basically dragging along the bottom in the $20, $25 range uh, for quite a while. And um, you know the company hasn't gone anywhere. The company is still operating. The company is still profitable. It's a, about a $750 million company. So it's, it is very much a small cap stock. The stock could double in, in size and still be a small cap stock. So I think that that really bodes well for getting a lot of bang for your buck. And uh, its operating numbers are wonderful. If you look at the Green Zone six-factor rating model, it rates a 90 on growth and a 90 on quality and a 96 on value. So even though um, the share price has gone up almost five-fold since the pandemic, um, I'm looking at PDE ratios currently of 12.7. So it's still about a third of the PDE ratio uh, that you can get in a lot of the tech stocks right now. Uh, price to sales is 0 0.7. Uh, so it's basically a great value at this price. Um, their margins are strong at about 6%. Uh, the return on equity is amazing at 31%. And again, this company is growing. Uh, so sales over the prior quarter are up 11%. Earnings per share over the prior quarter are up 85%. Uh, for the past five quarters, they've consistently beat analyst expectations on both revenue and sales. So there's a lot of upside surprises. Uh, so I think this is a stock that's gonna do well, whether housing starts continue to be bullish or whether uh, folks stay at home and end up renovating. Uh, one of the first things and easiest things to do is kind of switch out the flooring. And a lot of folks are doing that themselves. So. You know, LL Flooring or formerly Lumber Liquidators is a great choice for that. They have about 400 stores in the U.S. And I think this is a small cap play that's going to kind of continue to ride the wave of the, of the housing market right now. So uh, currently you can buy shares of LL at about $25, $26. And I would not be surprised to see this stock uh, double over the next, you know, two, two and a half years. Very good. Uh, let's Lumber Liquidators uh, trades on the ticker symbol L. L. Now switching over to Charles Sizemore, co-editor of Green Zone Fortunes. Uh, Charles, what you know? Tell us what's on what's been on your mind this week. Yeah, sure. So we've uh, we've been expecting a major infrastructure project from the government now for a while, 
And uh, the Biden administration finally kind of came out with their blueprint. And this is still, you know, there's a lot of congressional horse trading yet to be done. This is by no means final. But what we do know so far is this is going to be big. Uh, Biden himself called it, um, I can't remember his exact words, but it was something to the effect of, you know, the biggest infrastructure program since the interstate highway system or the space race. That may be hyperbole, but there is certainly some truth to that. You know, the federal government has been, I can't say it's been shrinking over the last 40 years because it does seem like that the deficit just gets bigger every year, but its, it's role in the economy definitely has been shrinking over the last 40 years. The government is much less um, robust, you know, much less you know, in the mix of things than it used to be. Maybe that's better, maybe it's worse, I don't know, but that it's, it's, that's been the trend for 40 years. So what Biden is proposing is really you know, kind of the biggest muscle flexing uh, by the federal government in multiple decades here. So uh, again, it's, it's still early, but you know, the, the, what he's proposed so far is an initial, an initial, by the way, it could be significantly more than that over time, but an initial $2 trillion. Now to put that in perspective, $2 trillion is about 9% of US GDP. I mean, that, that's huge. That is a very, very, very big price tag for infrastructure. Now, what, what does this include? Uh, the proposal includes a lot of work on, uh, a ton of work on, I think, I think 20,000 uh, 20, bridges or some, some absurd number, right? Just a, a ton of work on roads and bridges, a, a ton of uh, re replacing uh, existing infrastructure of lead pipes, making broadband available for all. Uh, there's a few things that don't really seem very, you know, infrastructure-esque to me, but uh, fixing the, the home healthcare system, um, building out uh, 500,000 charging stations for electric vehicles. And I'll put that in perspective. There's only about 110, 120,000 uh, gas stations in the entire country, and we're looking at making, uh, looking at adding 500,000 electric vehicle charging stations. Right? That's that's massive. Now a lot of these are small and can be kind of you know sandwiched into a, like a parking garage or something. You don't have to build out the same level of infrastructure as a gas station, but still 500,000 is a really big number there. And then finally, uh, one big plank of this is Biden wants to largely electrify the federal fleet of vehicles. Now, the federal government has a huge fleet of vehicles, um, everything from you know, military to, uh, to mail trucks. And speaking of mail trucks specifically, uh, my pick this week is Oshkosh Corporation. Oshkosh is a, a maker of specialty trucks. So they're, they're probably best known for their military vehicles, but they make random stuff that nobody else really makes. Uh, they don't really have a lot of competition in their, in their area here. Uh, they just won a major contract for uh, the mail truck fleet, many of which will be electric. That's still to be negotiated between the government and, and Oshkosh. But uh, yeah, they are looking to, you know, the, the mail truck hasn't really changed in like 70 years. <laughs> it's that same boxy, you know, that, that distinct mail truck. Um, Oshkosh just won the contract to, uh, upgrade the fleet. So that'll be interesting. I, I've seen the, uh, the specs for the, for the new one. It looks, it looks like something from the kids' t uh, cartoon movie Cars. It's, it's almost a, a cute mail truck. It's very, well, anyway, we won't get into that. But, uh, that's, uh, but th they won that contract. But they also make um, a bunch of random things like cement mixers, fire trucks, 
um, elevated platforms, which is what I would call it, a cherry picker, those, those things that lift up and allow workers to, uh, yeah, I don't know, mess with a telephone pole and you know, things like that. Uh, Truck-based cranes, just you name it, you know, they make all of these like, random trucks, many of which are used in infrastructure projects. So this is really sort of a, 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 a two-fold two play on, on, on infrastructure. One, there is the electrification play. They are directly involved with that, with the electrification of the mail truck fleet. But then beyond that, they're, they're heavy duty trucks, you know, the cement mixers and whatnot. That's going to be very, very instrumental in um, just the massive amount of roads that are being built and fixed, bridges, um, you know, new construction. The, uh, the plan also calls for retrofitting or rebuilding 2 million homes to make, it, uh, to make affordable housing. So there's clearly a lot of, uh, a lot of infrastructure here to be done. And uh, whereas you, you might normally think of Caterpillar and John Deere and some of these others as the primary players in that space, and, and they are, Oshkosh is in that space too, and they should really benefit. So kind of digging into the numbers a little bit, um, the stock rates a, a 75 on our green zone scale, which is very firmly in bullish territory. It's just, you know, just shy of, of, of strong bullish. Um, it rates highest on quality at a 94. And uh, that's not really surprising. As I said, these guys have specialty vehicles for which there's very little competition. Um, how many fire truck makers can you name off the top of your head? I mean, like, because they tend to have monopoly or near monopoly positions in, in their product lines, they, they do well. They have high profit margins. They have uh, high returns on equity, investment, assets, et cetera. Um, they, they have uh, uh, excellent debt management. And if you think about it, um, it's, this is a difficult business to be in because it's, it's contract-based. They don't have consistent demand necessarily. Their demand tends to be lumpy. They get a big contract. If um, a city decides to, I don't know, just replace its, its fire truck fleet, then they'll get a large contract for that. Otherwise, it, it, it's, it's sort of feast or famine. So uh, you have to be um, disciplined in order to, to, to do well in that kind of uh, environment. So the stock also rates well with momentum with an 84. Uh, that's, that's definitely solid there. I think some of that is <clears throat> definitely in, investors looking forward, seeing um, basically bidding up the shares in anticipation of, of, of good years ahead. I do think there's a lot more room to run, however. The stock rates well on value at a 79. That's, that's very solid and it rates well consistently across all of our submetrics. That's also nice because sometimes you do see situations where a, a stock may rate exceptionally well based on one or two metrics, not so well in the rest. When I see that, I, I become a little bit skeptical of the overall rating because I wonder if there's something going on with the numbers. But in this case, it's very consistent across the board. Volatility, middle of the pack at about a 50. Growth, it rates uh, a little bit below par at 35. But remember, our growth is backward looking. And over the last 10 years, this has been a very, uh, this has been a lull in infrastructure spending over the last 10 years. We are looking at a massive acceleration of spending going forward. So I do think that growth number is a little bit, um, I don't want to say misleading, but I think it, it, under, it understates you know, the growth potential of this stock. And finally, it rates a 26 on size. It is a relatively large company here. So we're not likely to get a big small cap bounce or anything. But uh, overall, I think. You know, if you believe that the infrastructure plan as proposed will go forward roughly along the lines proposed here, 
uh, then Oshkosh is a very good way to play that trend. So that's Oshkosh trades on the ticker symbol OSK. Uh, if I, if I understand right, OSK, that's correct. That is correct. Very good. Uh, now I'm going to tell you about a company that you, you, you probably never heard of, but plays an integral role in, in a, in a growing news story that we've seen over the last couple of weeks. Now, if you've been following financial news, you'll see that there's been a bit of panic uh, when it comes to tech. And I don't necessarily mean political pressure on tech or, or the rotation uh, of investors by selling out of tech or anything like that. I mean the pressure that's put on smartphone, computer, and automakers. Uh, and, and, and these are companies that you wouldn't necessarily think roll in the same type of territory. But with this particular, with this particular th thing that I'm going to talk about, they actually do. The problem here is that all three of these entities are facing a shortage. And the shortage is of semiconductors that are processed and made around the world. These are the microchips are very, very small. You know, that, that's probably even big for, for what they are. But these are embedded in your phone, your laptop, even your car to, to make your devices work properly. They work well with LCD displays. Uh, it, it's a very convoluted process to describe what a semiconductor does, but basically uh, it, it allows uh, components to conduct electricity together and operate. Uh, it's much more dynamic than that, but that's about as easy as I can make it without getting too complicated into physics. Um, th and they are essential components of all these of all these products. If your car has a touchscreen, if your smartphone has a touchscreen, if your laptop has a screen at all, which I'm sure it does, it should, um, then it has semiconductors at use. And there's a shortage of them everywhere, not just here, not just in China, everywhere. And, and this chip shortage is not showing any signs of getting any better. And the biggest reason for this shortage is, uh, of, of semiconductors is, is COVID-19. Um, during the height of the pandemic last year, factories were forced to shut down uh, and manufacturers canceled orders for supplies as, as production was slashed. Uh, we saw car companies, GM, Ford, uh, they all temporarily shut down plants across the country. Uh, you know, cell phone ma manufacturers decided not to make nearly as much, uh, simply because people weren't buying as much. But it was particularly uh, impactful in automobile manufacturing. This is cars, trucks, vans, uh, and the like. Uh, and this forced semiconductor companies to, to pivot and focus on chips that were made more for data centers, uh, for laptops, things that were not really necessarily stalling in production, but were more kind of on a consistent, a consistent stream. And data centers always need chip upgrades, especially when you're talking about the massive amounts of data that these centers contain. Now, the problem is, is that different products use different semiconductors. And semiconductors used in your car are not the same that are used in your phone. Uh, the, the, the semiconductors that are used in my Jeep are not the same by any stretch of the imagination as the ones used in my iPhone. Now, as we're returning to normal following the pandemic lockdowns and restrictions, car and truck demands are, are starting to increase and increase in a way that automobile manufacturers really didn't anticipate. Uh, and companies like Ford and General Motors don't have the semiconductors they need to build out the new vehicles that they're getting orders for and to even build out new models into the 2022 and 2023 years. Uh, and now with new 5G technology infrastructure being added in, uh, the demand for new smartphone and computer chips is also putting pressure on semiconductor companies uh, and they're racing to meet demand um, for these chips. 
And that leads me to my stock recommendation today, and that is Chipmost Technologies Incorporated. It trades on the NASDAQ. The ticker symbol is IMOS. It's a Taiwan-based developer and manufacturer of semiconductor testing and packaging for companies that sell semiconductors but don't actually make them. See, there's a difference between a fab semiconductor and a fabless company uh, that sells semiconductors. Taiwan Semiconductors is a fab company. They fabricate the semiconductors and make them. Uh, whereas like Qualcomm is a fabulous company. They got to buy the chips elsewhere and then put them in their products and then sell uh, outright. It's kind of a complicated process in terms of semiconductors, but the fact of the matter is, is that demand is still very high and the shortage is very real. Now, the operation uh, for Chipmos is, is very critical in making sure that semiconductors uh, get from fabrication companies like Taiwan Semiconductors or Semiconducting Manufacturing International or others to meet specifications. Because if these chips are off by just the slightest bit of a millimeter, they don't work. The, you, you, they, they, it is, they are sandwiched in that tight, especially when you're talking about iPhone screens or smartphone screens that are very small, uh, but that operate with a ton of power. You know, their components inside are very, very small. And just the slightest bit off and the semiconductors do not work, the product doesn't work either. Uh, the company's done well for itself despite the COVID-19 pandemic uh, and the shortage of chips. Since 2017, the company's total revenue has gone from about $630.9 million to $809 million in 2020. Now, the chip shortage is going to increase demand for Chipmost products as fabulous companies are going to need to test and properly package, which means install, uh, these semiconductors for their new products. Uh, and they're going to have to do it very rapidly. So you've got to have, be able to lean on a company that has experience doing it, can do it quickly, responsibly, and accurately, most important. And the projections for total revenue for Chipmos uh, has the company hitting about $967 million by 2022. That's next year. That's a 35% increase from total revenue in 2019. Now, while its revenue grew in 2020, its net income actually dropped due to the cost of switching their testing instruments over uh, to coordinate for the, new, the chips that fab companies were actually producing, which weren't automobile chips or things like that. They were more data center chips. And, and the company's net income, however, it did is expected to rebound uh, sharply and swiftly. Uh, it reported net income of about $83.2 million in 2020. Uh, the company has projected net income of more than $115 million both this year and next year. So that's, a pr that's, that's double their net income in 2018 and nearly 40% higher uh, than 2020. It signals that this company is, is settled in for solid growth uh, for the next few years. And in fact, I think it's going to go even beyond that. The company's stock price uh, bounced nicely off its March 2020 lows. It went from about $15 per share in March uh, to about $22 a share in July. So it bounced relatively quickly, as a lot of tech stocks did during that time. It traded flat, however, uh, until a slight drop in August, and then it took off in November. The, the stock seemed to weather the recent sector rotation as investors sold off tech to take profits. Chipmost actually gained in stock price. Um, it currently trades at nearly $32 a share. That's 113% higher than March 2020, 45% up from its peak during the surge in July of 2020. Now, running the stock through Adam's six-factor green zone rating system, it shows even more promise uh, for Chipmos. Uh, the stock currently rates 100 overall. Uh, that is as high as you can get for any of the stocks that we rate. Uh, and it's green in all six factors. 
It means we're strong bullish on Chipmos. We expect it to outperform the broader market by at least three times over the next 12 months. I think it's going to go even more than that. The stock comes with a solid value. It rates a 96 on value because its price to ratios are all considerably lower than the broader tech industry. I think Adam had mentioned lumber liquidators having PE ratios about, uh, I believe, a, a third or a fourth of tech. Uh, Chipmos is actually a tech company whose PE ratios are a quarter of the tech uh, average in terms of PE ratio. So its value is very, very solid. It's, it's kind of considered undervalued at this point, uh, which is odd for a tech stock. Um, now it also comes with, it's also a great quality stock. It rates an 89 on quality. It's got returns on assets, equity investments that are all better than the tech industry average. It's got a net margin of 10.3%. The tech average is only 8%. Um, so it's got a stronger net average or a, uh, sorry, net margin rather. Uh, Chipmos pulls an 83 on growth. Uh, it's got one-year annual sales growth rate of about 19% and year-on-year -year quarterly earnings per share growth of about 40%. So it's, it's, its earnings are, are ever-increasing and doing very well year-on-year. Uh, -year. It's a solid size. It ranks an 84 on, it rates an 84 on size, a market cap of just $1.1 billion. So it's not too big. It's not too small. Um, it's kind of right in the middle of, of where Charles's Oshkosh is and where Adam's Lumber Liquidators is. It's kind of right there, right in the middle. Uh, the stock uh, does rate a 98 on volatility. Uh, its upper momentum uh, has not really had a lot of downside. After November, this stock just really took off and did not has not met a lot of that downside that tech companies saw as uh, the sector rotation uh, has progressed from March uh, a little bit into April. And overall, there's a lot of companies here that are scrambling to meet the demand for more semiconductors. And Chipmos is a company that's going to take advantage of that demand as companies will uh, look for its testing and its packaging products uh, to implement these, these, these chips in a rapid fashion. And they're going to have to do it very quickly. This chip shortage is going to last a while. Experts are projecting the chip shortage to go into 2022. Um, but as they keep getting cranked out, Companies like Chipmos are going to be looked at by larger companies to come in and say, make sure this is tested correctly, they work properly, and they seat properly in where they need to go so they work when they get to the customer. So I think Chipmos is a very strong play. Uh, it's a tech play, but I think it's one of those tech plays that has gone under the radar uh, in terms of it, it has not, it has weathered the sector rotation, uh, and it's, it's, its financials are solid, uh, its return-ons are outstanding, and its price ratios are unbelievable, especially compared to the broader tech market. So Chipmos shades under, on, under the ticker symbol uh, IMOS. Now we're going to do one last uh, circle around the table and get final thoughts for the weekend. We'll start off with uh, Adam O'Dell. Adam, your thoughts for the weekend. I just think that, you know, using uh, our system to find well-rounded stocks, I mean, you can find them in any sector. So to think that, you know, you have to play one sector or the other is kind of a misnomer. Uh, you found a tech stock and uh, Charles and I have found more of the gritty industrial stocks. So I think that, you know, you want to be, as I talked about recently in a, in a Ask Adam Many Things segment, you want to be well diversified across all the segments and you want to find balanced uh, stocks uh, based on uh, both uh, technical metrics like price action as well as fundamental metrics like valuations and and uh, and growth and uh, quality. So it's, re it's re really about taking a well-rounded approach and that's what we're trying to bring uh, people here today. And Charles, uh, final, final thought for the weekend. Yeah, let me just comment on both of your stocks. Um, so I can vouch from experience that uh, this microchip shortage is, uh, is very real. My son wants a new gaming PC, and I saw the price tag for the video card he wanted. And um, I think I woke up in the hospital uh, after having a massive coronary. So uh, yes, there is a massive, massive shortage on the microchip front. So that's, that's a really good growth story. Um, 
lumber as well. Lumber and flooring prices have really been elevated lately, and I don't see that abating anytime soon. Um, half of my state is uh, having floors ripped out and replaced after the ice storm broke uh, pretty much every pipe in the state. So I think these are very, very good places to be for the next several months, if not multiple years. You mentioned that, and uh, you know, if you're looking for a PlayStation 5, as most of the country is, good luck. And the reason why is because uh, you know they can't produce them fast enough because of the chip shortage. Uh, they can't get the parts. Yeah. They, they, so you know, it's not because they don't want to, or they're trying to hold back supply. It's simply uh, they're not playing hard to get. <laughs> no, no, not not at all. They want to sell. Sony wants to sell PlayStation Fives, uh, just like Microsoft wants to sell new Xboxes. But if you don't have the components to build it, you can't build them. You can't make them. You can't sell them. So that's why it's very hard to find a PlayStation 5 right now. It's just because these semiconductors, these microchips are, are, are in very, very short supply. So uh, all around, well, it, great. It, if you know a guy, if you know a guy selling video cards like out of a trench coat in an alley or something, let me know. Well, hook, hook me up. I, I don't think you want that. Uh, <laughs> and, and I don't know that I would recommend it either. So just to, uh, to, to recap, Charles has picked Oshkosh. Uh, trades on the uh, uh, the ticker symbol is OSK. Adam is going with Lumber Liquidators. Its ticker symbol is LL. And I'm going with Chipmost Technologies. It trades on the ticker symbol IMOS. Do want to remind everyone uh, real quickly, make sure you check out moneyandmarkets.com uh, each and every day. We provide you safe, sound, smart, simple, profitable investment information for your portfolio. And also YouTube. Uh, you know, if you're listening to this as a traditional podcast, we've got a lot of great stuff going on YouTube. Adam has his Ask Adam Anything video series that comes out once a week. And believe me, uh, as someone, as the one who poses the questions to him, you can ask him anything and he will answer it. Whether you like the answer or not, I, I can't answer. I, I can't tell you that, but he will answer every question that he gets asked. So make sure you check out that on YouTube. Charles Sizemore has investing with Charles where he'll go through and uh, he'll, he'll look at particular stocks and tell you whether these are good buys, whether these are bad buys or, or what you should do with them. And he's got very keen insight uh, in terms of what you should do and, and how you should look at uh, these various stocks. So a lot of great stuff, plus the marijuana market update, uh, and of course the bull and the bear. Uh, so you want to make sure that you uh, lock in on our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube.com, uh, type in Money and Markets, search for us. We've got the green bull and the bear logo. It's about that big. Uh, make sure you click on that, mash that button so you get so you see so you subscribe, and then click the bell and get notified each and every time we put out a new video. I'd like to thank everybody for uh, listening to uh, whether you're listening to us as a podcast on your favorite podcast indicator or whether you're watching this on YouTube. Would certainly like to like to thank everyone for listening. We uh, we love doing these. It's a lot of fun for us. Uh, be able to go around and talk about stocks. It's what we do. It's what we love. Uh, we do it all day, and 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 we love sharing that insight uh, with all of you. Love to hear your comments and your feedback as well. Uh, you can do so by emailing us at the bull and the bear at moneyandmarkets.com. So until next time, everyone, for uh, Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell and Greenland Fortunes Co-Editor Charles Sizemore, I am Money and Markets Research Analyst Matt Clark. Wishing you all safe trading. You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you.